guys get done with that, you can take a seat. Wow. <laughs> there, right here. All right, tonight we're going to get going. I love that you guys are here, and tonight's going to look a little different. Um, I'm going to share a little bit now, and then we're very excited to have Dan Smither, who's part of a ministry called Key of Hope in Durban, South Africa, and he's going to talk about the ministry and the kids that he has an opportunity to work with and minister to and see what God is doing in that place in the shacks in the city of Durban, South Africa. So I pray tonight that you would allow me to share with you a little bit about my journey at Christmas. So as I was getting ready for tonight, I was like, what should I share? What should I share? And God brought to mind to me two stories that I want to sort of use for you all to teach you a little bit about what I think God wants us to understand at this time of year in Advent and Christmas. So I'm going to start with the first one. Imagine me back in college, freshman year, Hope College, 1984, all right, <laughs> a long time ago, a freshman in Collin Hall, second floor at Hope College, and I'm living on second floor with a ton of my buds, and we had this awesome idea when we got back from Thanksgiving. We decorated one of my buddy's rooms completely for Christmas. We had so many strands of lights in there that you didn't even have to turn on any other lights in the room. It was plenty bright enough. We had all these decorations, a great tree. All, back at that time, we only had stereo, so we had a huge stereo, and we would play all kinds of Christian music. And I'm going to date myself by what I say, because we listened to like, all the classics, like the Bing Crosby, White, Bing Crosby, White Christmas, all that kind of stuff. We also listened to Amy Grant, and we listened to Michael W. Smith, and all that kind of stuff. And we loved it. We would go in there, there'd be like eight to ten of us in the room, and we'd be just hanging out. And we'd be like, man, this is awesome. This feels so like Christmas. And then we started having a problem. We're like, we're not getting anything done. We're just sitting around. So we finally, just after a couple days, we're like, we got to take this down. We're not going to finish. We're not going to finish the semester. So we took all the lights down. We put away the music. We're like, all right, we got to buckle down and we got to get life done. We got to finish school. That was enough of a challenge for me to begin with, let alone have the distraction of the Christmas room. So we put it all away. And you know what, God taught me something there. Because I think all of us have sort of this misunderstanding about our lives with God. Because I think we all struggle to interact with Christmas in our daily lives. Sometimes maybe like I felt back then and sometimes you feel like now that it's too much to slow down and wonder about God and about the Christmas story at this time. And I realized one of the big misunderstandings I had was that I don't have to work to get everything done and then I'll have room for God. Or I don't have to work to get my life all together and then God can come at Christmas. I don't have to clean myself up so that God can come, right? When we have parties at Christmas time, at my house back in Chicago, we would clean the house like it's never been cleaned before. 
And then we'd invite people over and say, hey, hi, this is what our life's like. I'm like, no, it's not, our life's not like this. The house is messy all the time. But it's an assumption we make sometimes is that in order for God to meet us, we need to get everything done so then he can meet us or that we need to clean ourselves up before God can meet us. But one of the realities that I hope that you hear tonight is that God has already found us at Christmas. There's an invitation in the Christmas story that God says that he'll be Emmanuel, which means that he'll be God with us when Christ comes and Christ reveals God uniquely as the God human that he came to be. And let me ask you this question. Where does God's presence first show up when God enters into this planet as a young child, as a baby born in the womb and then born in the manger? He's born in the dirt and the poop of an animal pen. God enters into our mess as a first statement to say, you know what, I'm coming to find you. I'm coming to love you. And you don't have to clean yourself up and then come to me, but you can come to me with all the mess, with all the good, with all the bad, with all the ugly, and I'll meet you there. I read a book. I, I, actually, I didn't read a book. I looked at a book this week. <laughs> and I just looked at the book, and it challenged me. Because I've had a lot of tough conversations with students in the past couple of weeks. And they're like, you know what? This semester has not gone as planned. I didn't get into that program I thought I was going to get into. Something's changed in a relationship with my family or a relationship with someone they were dating. Or some unexpected, horrible things happened. And they're wondering this question. Everybody basically comes out, where is God? And I picked up this book, and it challenged me. And the title is this, God is Closer Than You Think. And what God started to reveal to me is just that God is here. And that even though we are tempted at Christmas time to, sorry, we're tempted in our daily lives to think that God is absent, he's right here. You know, one of the funny things about the Christmas story is that we prepare for in Advent is that they anticipated the birth of the Messiah for years and years and centuries and centuries. But when it actually came, most everyone missed it. Maybe they were too busy. Maybe Jesus looked too ordinary when he was a young child running around or when he was a young baby born in a manger. Maybe they were looking for a different kind of Messiah. Maybe a more spectacular Messiah. But my prayer for you this Christmas season is that you would meet Christ this year in the manger. That your heart would be a place where God's presence could dwell. That your heart this year could be like a manger and that God can make his dwelling in your heart and in your life. Here's some things I learned about my life with God from this book, God is Closer Than You Think, some truths. Here's some things I want you just to hear. These are thick, 
So you might need some time to think about them. And if you want to copy this, I can get one to, to you. But here's some foundational truths about my life with God. God is always in present, always present and active in my life, whether or not I can see him. Coming to recognize and experience God's presence is learned behavior, and I can cultivate it and grow it. My task is to meet God in this moment. And I'm always tempted to live outside of this moment. And when I do that, I lose my sense of God's presence. Sometimes God feels far away for reasons I do not understand. And those moments, too, are opportunities to learn. Whenever I fail, I can always start again right away. No one knows the full extent to which a human being can experience God's presence. My desire for God ebbs and flows, but his desire for me is constant. Every thought carries a spiritual charge that moves me a little closer or a little farther away from God. And my path to experiencing God's presence will not look quite like everyone else's. And this is one that really hit home for me. Straining and trying too hard do not help. So what one of the things I want you to hear tonight in the midst of all the demand of the next two weeks, is that you don't have to wait to start celebrating Christmas till finals are over. I hope that you'll let God meet and dwell with you right now in the midst of the mess, in the midst of all the things that are going on with you, that God will dwell with you. Now here's the second story. Back in 1994, my son Bryce was born, my second. And he was born November 1st, so about six weeks later, in the middle of December, they needed a little baby boy to be the baby Jesus in the Christmas program. And he was asked to be the baby Jesus, and my wife Rita was asked to be Mary, and they went up in front of our church at Christ Memorial Church in Holland, and they sat up front, and he was in the manger, and Rita was there gazing down at him. And they sang, Mary, Did You Know? You know that song? All right, it's an awesome song. So, but here's the thing. Right in the middle of the song, Bryce gets really upset. <laughs> and he was, like, super addicted to his pacifier, or we called it his pipe. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so... You know, there's me. I sort of slink up while this, Mary, did you know? Like, and I'm like, here, here's the pass, passy. And like, wham, right in his mouth. So you can see him like really sucking on that thing and um, going for it. And while that, it was, it was funny. Um, but it hit me that night as I'm hearing the song. It's a powerful song. It hit me that night just how vulnerable God made himself by being born as a little child, becoming human and living like us. Hear it from Philippians 2, which is sort of a big, broad brushstroke about what happened at Christmas. In your relationships one another, with one another, have the same mind as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What Philippians is talking about is that we follow a God who comes to us at Christmas, who's humble enough to come out of love for you and love for me to enter into our reality, to go from being the eternal God of the universe to being conceived and born as a baby child. And I remember how vulnerable Bryce was when he was a little boy, one to two weeks old. So small, so vulnerable. And one of the things I want you to learn is that journey that got, that step out of, human, out of eternity into humanity is a step of, the first step of love that God makes for you. And my prayer for you this Christmas is that you would meet Christ in the manger that you'd follow him in the Gospels through Galilee, that you'd watch him interact with and touch and care for all the different kinds of people that he met as we read in the Gospels, that you would see him endure the cross, that you'd see him embrace the reality of suffering and death and then conquer it by being raised from the dead. God takes that journey and the first step of that journey is when he stepped out of heaven into the womb so that you and I would know the power of his grace and the depth of his love that changes everything. Let me read to you one thing. This is from a book by Max Lucado called Because of Bethlehem. It says, the story of Christmas is the story of God's relentless love for us. Let him love you. If God was willing to wrap himself in rags and drink from a mother's breast, then all the questions about his love for you are off the table. You might question his actions, question his decisions or his declarations, but you can never ever question his zany, stunning, stunning unquenchable affection. The moment Mary touched God's face is the moment God made his case. There is no place that he will not go. If he is willing to be born in a barnyard, then expect him to be at work anywhere in bars, bedrooms, boardrooms, and brothels. No place is too common, no person too hardened, no distance too far, no person that he cannot reach. There is no limit to his love. When Christ was born, so was our hope. This is why I love Christmas. The event invites us to believe the wildest of promises. God became one of us so that we could become one with him. He did away with every barrier, every fence, every sin, every bent, every debt, every grave. Anything that might keep us from him was demolished, and he only awaits our word to walk through the door. Invite him in, escort him to the seat of honor, and pull out his chair, clear the table, clear the calendar, call the kids and the neighbors. Christmas is here. Christ is here. I told you two stories tonight, just challenging us all to learn what does it mean to be open to God. 
And what I want you to do is follow me in this transition. I want to show you a video of what life is like, daily life is like in Durban, South Africa. And imagine what would it be like for God to take up residence in there to care for those kids. And maybe in seeing their lives, you can imagine the love that God has to enter into all of our lives, including your life here at Grand Valley. So will you watch the video? Daily life is so different depending on where you are, where you live, where you go on the planet. Daily life can be something completely different for someone else. Um, so my wife, Rachel, and I, Rachel is back there, and she doesn't probably want me to do this, but yeah, just wave, okay. But when we first moved to South Africa, when we first founded Key of Hope almost 10 years ago now, it was just her and me, like that was it. We didn't have friends there. We just got on a plane and basically went to Durban, South Africa. Um, we got off the plane on the runway, and there was... Just, we didn't know anybody. We didn't have a place to live yet. We didn't have a car. We just basically just showed up. So um, we wanted to make a video like this when we were coming back to the U.S. the first time to try to tell people what we were doing and try to give people an idea, a picture of what this was like because it's so different than, than life here in the States. So since it was just her and me, we went out to one of these townships, one of these slums where we worked, and, and we set up a little, I set up a tripod with a, with a video camera, and I was going to stand there and talk, so I had Rachel behind the camera, and she was videotaping me as I was trying to make this video that we would show when we came back to the U.S. So I do the first take of the video, and of course the first take never turns out great, but, you know, we can do it again. So we did the first take, and then she, so she stops, I said, okay, what, you know, was that okay? And she said, no, you have to, yeah, she said, she's always very honest with me. She said, no, that, that was not good. She said, you have to be, you have to really convey to these people what it's like here. She said, you have to tell them, like, what, like, how it smells here. Like, you have to just tell them. I said, okay, so do another take. So, so maybe two, three-minute take. Okay, was that good? Listen, she says. I mean, you have to bring someone so it, it's like they're standing here, like everything. You, you got to tell them because it, just, it stinks here, and it does. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a sewage treatment plant on one side, and they just dump their garbage. But she just was saying, the smell. I mean, if they could just be here in this jungle heat and, and smell this smell. I mean, you have to tell them about the smell. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it again. So we, we take it again, and, and so I, I'm talking about the smell, right? You know, so is that okay? It's like, well, yeah, but I mean, the smell, you just got to tell them, I mean, just how bad it stinks here. So I'm like, so we do it a couple more times, and, and in, in the final cut of the video, I mean, I'm talking, I mean, it smells, you know? So, so we're we, we packing up, packing up. So I come over to, to sort of pack up the tripod and everything, and and we realized that the entire time that she was filming me and doing this, she was standing in a pile of human waste, steaming, fresh human, you know, waste. Can I? Uh, waste. Crap. And so... That's why she kept telling me, oh, the, Dan, you got to tell them about the smell. It is so bad. 
And, and so, I mean, it was just like, and so we have laughed about that. But here's the thing. Just going off of what, what Chris was saying is that, you know, when, when God came down into these kids' lives, and, and when he came down at Christmas to, to be a part of all of our lives, do you know that's exactly what he did? He came down to stand in your crap. That's where he's, he's standing right now. In your crap. St- and, and so when, when Chris says he's closer than you think, that's how close he is. He's standing in your poop. Okay? That's, that's what he came to do. And, and so it's not like you have to wait for him to come. He's already there standing in your poop waiting for you. So let me, let me tell you a story about a little girl that's in that video. The one who was speaking Zulu. She was like looking into the camera speaking Zulu. I don't know if you remember her face. But in her house... Um, there's, there's the, the brother and the sister, Malita and Samito, and then their mother uh, has lost her husband to AIDS, but she's also taken in two other orphans that lost their mom and dad and aunt and granny to HIV. And so this mom, Noktula, has these four children living in her house. Now, taking in these two orphans entitles her to a grant every month from the government, about 20 bucks for each one of these two kids per month that she can get. And we helped her apply for this. We helped her follow up. But it's been about three years, and this this money had never come through yet. She had opened up a bank account just for that purpose so she'd get the money in, but it had never come in. And, And so we would pray about this. We had done everything we could, and just for some reason, this money would not come through. Now, part of the reason, um, to be honest, is did you see the, this, you're probably too old to see this, but if you saw Zootopia, Okay, you know the sloth? That's Africa. That's the express line in Africa. Okay, things go very slowly. So, but this, this thing was not coming in, and so we, we were praying, and so one day I went to her house, and, and so she was doing something that a lot of us do. She was praying, and she was, she was trusting God for this, but she was also going to see witch doctors and, and paying them money, and she would get this, this stuff called muti. There would be herbs or, or special, like, uh, uh, curses or things that the, that the witch doctor would give her. She would sprinkle things around, and, and it was, it's, a, it's a very, uh, at the end of the day, very evil thing. But, but that's part of her culture. So she was trying to sort of do both, kind of hedge her bets and do both things. And so finally one day a few months ago, I sat down with her, and she's actually in a wheelchair because she has AIDS, and, and when she got TB, it went down into her spine and took away her ability to walk. And so she's in a wheelchair, and I sat there as she was laying on a mattress, and I, I said, look, you need to trust and give this to Jesus Christ. You need to just 100% go all in with him. And I said, what, what do you have to lose? You know, th- this, not, this money hasn't come through for years now. Why don't we try Jesus? And so what we did is she called all the kids, all four kids, and, and, and she said, go through the whole house and, and find all of this muti, all this medicine, all these leaves, all these, and let's just get them out. So they threw them all. It took them about 10 minutes. Little cupboards and, and underneath things and hanging. They, they just started gathering all this stuff up, and they threw it out of the house. And we prayed there as a family. All of us held hands. And she said that their house was going to be a house that was dedicated to Jesus alone. About three days later, she called me to say that that monthly grant money had started to come through. 
And not only did it start to come through, but all the money from the previous three years that she was owed all came into her bank account at once. And I said, that's what happens when you trust Christ alone. Now, some of us do the same thing. You kind of like hedging your bets. And it's like we want, we want certain things in our life and we pray for certain things and, and, and you want your life to be great and, and you want, you know, you want to find the right person that you're going to marry and you want to have the right job and the career. You want things to go well for your exams and you want all these things, but yet we kind of hedge our bets. We want to we do what we want to do, but we want to hold on to certain things. And sometimes it just comes down to the point where you realize that Jesus is standing in your crap waiting for you. It's time to just go all in with him. He's come to just be a part of your everyday life. For for Melita and her mom, it was was the the fact that they needed things like food and they, they needed that. All it took was for them to take that step and say, okay, Jesus, it's up to you now. I'm, I'm, I'm just giving it all to you. My, my, my whole, for her, that was a huge thing to leave that behind. And whatever you need to leave behind might, might seem like a huge thing to you. It might be an unhealthy relationship. It might be something you're holding on to. Go all in with Jesus Christ and let him be the one while he's standing in your crap to take control of your life and your future and change it all for you. Will you pray with me? Let's close our eyes. Father, I am so grateful that you sent your son Jesus to come down and stand in my crap for me. That the parts of my life that stink, the parts of my life that I I, I try to not let anyone see, the parts of my life that cause me pain, the parts of my life that I don't want anyone to know about, the parts of my life that I try to hide. You came and you stood in the middle of all of that. God, if there's anything that any one of us are are holding back, anything that's stopping us from just giving it all to you, all of our stress, all of our pain, all of our future, all of our hopes and dreams, that this Christmas we would leave aside the things that we've been holding on to and just give it all to you. Thank you, Jesus, for standing in the middle of of all of our crap, for being so close. And tonight, as these young men and young women reach out to you, may they realize that you are closer than they ever realized. In Jesus' name.